Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation that I'm going to call Proud to Know You Too. A couple of years ago, I made a promise to myself, and this year, I kept it. I found a couple of new shows that I hadn't listened to before. Walk the Earth was an amazing show. It was an amazing experience. With Greg. And with Greg, with Inappropriate Conversations, Greg. And, you know, this will be the first Pride 48 show that Tank Huffington listens to. You know, he doesn't even listen to our show, but he'll listen to Walk the Earth. I can honestly say that I'm about to do something I've never done before, but that also could be a theme of this particular show as I talk about things from the past few weeks that might qualify as stuff I've never done before. First off, the opener. A tip of the hat to Ramble Redhead from the Ramble Redhead show, to Taylor from Pot is My Co-Pilot, and a Big Fatty Online. I chose the introduction on purpose to be something of a callback, a tip of the hat, or even a flat-out rip-off of Big Fatty, which is consistent with the theme of this Pride 48 Expo, because I want to do something I've never done before, and that's actually talk about current events. Now, I've talked about current events before on inappropriate conversations. It's ridiculous to say otherwise, but those were political events or news of the day, and even then, I almost always start somewhat apologetically by saying, Current events are not my strength. I prefer to have the advantage of the perspective of a little bit of time. And it's hard to get that perspective when you're speaking about things that have just happened. But even from current events, this is very different. This is what I did on my summer vacation, almost. It's it's a nostalgia show where I haven't had that much time to get nostalgic about it. Because I want to talk about the Pride 48 Expo in August in Las Vegas just this past month. And my experiences there. And I really had doubts about doing it. I got a private message from somebody who's part of the Pride 48 community, somebody who couldn't make the trip this year to Pride 48 Expo. And in the course of sending a couple of uh, Facebook messages back and forth, expressed some doubt about whether I was going to do a recap show. It's, again, it's, I've never done one like this before. And I got that encouragement to say, yeah, you should do it because everyone else does. So I gave myself a little bit of time to listen to some of those first podcasts after Pride 48 to sort of get a sense of kind of what those are like. It's not that I haven't heard them before, but eh, to be honest, a year has gone by, right? And some things go in one ear and out the other, especially when it's not as personal as this year, because in those past years, I was hearing people tell stories and at best stories about people that I knew online. But this time it obviously is going to feel a little bit more real because I was there. And some of the stories, like that moment from the Ramble Redhead show, about me, but even the ones that weren't, uh, I've got faces to go with all of these names. And uh, more importantly, from a podcasting perspective, faces to go with these voices. That's really very cool. The other thing that I'm going to do that's a little different here, though, is I may not tell every story that I've got. Because just last night, I had a Skype conversation with Tom on the Ramble Redhead show, and I don't want to repeat any of that. So I'm going to try to avoid as much repetition as I can. There are some stories that I intentionally didn't share that I held back because I knew I was going to talk about them here. And I might even have a couple more clips to go. 
But the funny thing is, the number of clips I used two years ago on the podcast episode 128, the inappropriate conversations called Proud to Know You. In retrospect, I could have called it Proud to Know You 1, since this is Proud to Know You 2. But the uh, that was full of clips and ran like an hour and a half. This may be a more normal length and appropriate conversation, because I only have a couple more clips to play, maybe three, depending on how I decide to go with it. But they're going to help me in the storytelling. So I will do a little bit of setup in certain circumstances and then and tell the story. But and, and this way I don't dissuade anybody from listening to the Ramble Redhead show because I'm guessing that's going to post before this will or you know, right around each other anyway. And Tom asked all the right questions. Uh, you know, what was it like showing up? How was your travel? What was your first impressions? So I don't necessarily need to deal with how we got there and how I dealt with those sort of first impressions. Although by the end of the show, I will, I'll recount at least one uh, first impression. But to be honest, the whole weekend was a weekend of first impressions. And if no one remembers a couple of past inappropriate conversations, uh, one on my show, this Proud to Know You episode, number 128, or the Tech Support Rich show on Simply Syndicated, I believe that's only available to purchase. On the other hand, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I might have put it up on SoundCloud myself. Because there was a point in time where the Tech Support Rich Show's first season, episode 7, wasn't downloading properly. So I took my copy, I think I did, and stuck it up on SoundCloud. I could be wrong about that. But in both of those shows, I talked about kind of how important it was for me to go. And how I needed to see and meet some of these people. Some for just purely friendly reasons. Uh, In every sense of the word, these are friends of mine. Uh, I've got a friend online called Karen who has jokingly trademarked the term imagi friends, uh, imaginary friends, because our friends in England would call it that, uh, not being 100% sure what to make of these Americans and having doubt that they would ever meet the American listeners on Simply Syndicated face-to-face, but uh, I was able to uh, follow along in the footsteps of a couple of other friends of mine going over there and, and breaking down that barrier, making everything just a little less imaginary. And that is kind of what it was like to go there and to see these people face to face. Now, the advantage that I had a little bit was that for my wife's 50th birthday, the thing she wanted, the only thing she asked for was a trip to Hawaii. That's plenty to ask for, right? It makes sense. But her Hawaii Five O venture meant that we were going to be flying from probably Cleveland or Akron, Ohio, all the way to Hawaii, and I just did not want to be on a plane for that length of time. So we broke it up, and the thought I had was, if I'm going to break this up, make a flight perhaps to California, and then spend the night, and then the next day take another flight, break it up that much, the place in California that made sense to go to was San Jose. Not even San Francisco, but San Jose. And making that trip in July for her birthday meant that we were able to spend an evening with uh, Christina and Bob from Greetings from Nowhere and Scott the Seder from the Seder Sphere. And that's played out perfectly. And it really helped my wife a lot, who doesn't actually know these voices as well as I do. So she was able to meet in person a couple of the people who were going to be, three of them actually, who were going to be doing podcasts at Pride 48. And we went to dinner. We went to a play where, in this case, it was uh, me and Cheryl and Bob and Christina sitting together because Scott was on stage. And we were front row for that, seeing his performance in the Adams Family Musical, which I like so much better than the original Adams Family Musical. The version that we saw in New York City was, uh, it wasn't bad. It was just a little bit tedious. And I never really knew 
whether that experience was because I was one of the chaperones trying to make sure that high school girls put their cell phones away. Uh, definitely takes away from the performance when you're in the balcony, in the back row, and hurting cats. But by all accounts, that that production really wasn't all that well received. And I'm telling you, the one that I saw in San Jose was just great. So we did have some faces that we knew, and some some familiar faces, I guess would be the way I would word it. But to be honest with you, uh, even from a cartoon face perspective, I didn't have any trouble immediately recognizing Taylor and Taffy from Pot as my co-pilot. Because when we did get in, the very first thing we did Thursday morning was grab a couple of Krispy Kreme donuts, get some ice, uh, get some pop. Uh, In fact, I even bought Cheryl a coffee, I'm pretty sure. Because we finished up setting everything up for the swag bag. And I wanted to get that contribution to the swag bag out of the way as quickly as possible. So we actually got down to the podcasting studio area into that prep room before Gary was even ready for us. But uh, again, it served me well to know that I'd at least delivered uh, what we were giving, which was the new business cards I just very recently made with inappropriate conversations on one side, walk the earth on the other, with all the sort of Facebook, Twitter uh, information on there. And a couple of Buckeyes, which is an Ohio chocolate treat, which is basically chocolate and peanut butter. So very much from a flavor palette, kind of a Reese's peanut butter cup kind of an experience. I think better, though. I think the chocolate to peanut butter ratio is better. And I think actually the chocolate itself is probably a better brand of chocolate, too. So we set up all the swag bag and stuff. And as I walked back into the studio, I noticed that. Well, again, I immediately recognizing both Taylor and Taffy, not from having really seen too many pictures online, but from the, if nothing else, the iconic image that's on uh, iTunes when you look at the show or on the Christmas ornaments that Chad Gus painted. So, and as Taffy has described it on recent Pot is My Co-Pilot episodes, they were in some ways helping with the sound check. And as soon as they got sort of the uh, the green light, as it were, to get behind the microphones and make some noise and help uh, Daniel and Adam ensure that they were working, I just took a seat and took it in. Because at that point, uh, Cheryl was off you know, on the slot machines gambling, and I was taking in this free impromptu show. And the interesting thing about it was I was watching Daniel work. And so he's, he's setting up the microphones, doing sound checks. And at one point, on the microphone to the left side of the studio... He was really insistent on making sure that the cord went all the way out of the room. It wasn't just that that cord needed to stretch from one side of the room to the other in case somebody who was doing either an interstitial or a game had the ability to take a microphone to where people were sitting. But specifically testing, taking the cord for the microphone and getting the microphone all the way out through that back door. And to be honest with you, I didn't think it odd at all. In fact... When Vera showed up at the very beginning of Big Fatty's show, I still didn't connect the dots between that microphone cord being measured in the way that it was on Thursday morning, having anything to do with ultimately what the surprise was about 24 hours later. Now, part of that is, well, I guess when I think of the word surprised, I probably can speak for a lot of people shortly after noon at the beginning of the Big Fatty Online show that day by just sharing a quote from the vacation films. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. For me, though, I was more surprised because I still had no idea what was going on. I didn't have that kind of track record, wasn't a listener to Vera Speaks, but recognized his voice. It's kind of the voice of Pride 48. I'd heard the voice 
a couple of times, uh, if not at the Pink Carpet show, certainly at the beginning of the opening show and maybe at the beginning of both. But I was there searching for context because I didn't really have a lot. But you could tell by the room that there was just an immediate, overwhelming sense of awe. I guess is the word that I would use for it. Whatever that combination of shock and surprise is, when shock and surprise is a good thing. Now, let me tell you, I was nervous. I had woken up that day, done the Pride 48 breakfast, and probably, if anybody was paying that kind of close attention, I was a little bit looser, I guess, in the other two breakfast buffets the next two days than I was at the formal Pride 48 breakfast. And it didn't really have anything to do with being an introvert. It was just... Part of it was just a little bit overwhelming taking it all in. But the other part was I was kind of nervous about my show because it became really clear during the opening show roast. And based on what I know about both Big Fatty's show and the Seder Sphere show, that I was going to stick out a little bit like a sore thumb. And it didn't have anything to do with sexual orientation. And it really didn't even have anything to do with, with religious beliefs either. I was going to stick out like a sore thumb because of how kind of deathly serious my show can be compared to the shows that were going to be surrounding me on all sides. So the good news is that I was the last show before a break. And again, I told Ramble uh, last night, I don't know if that was on purpose, but the placement of Walk the Earth from a scheduling perspective just could not have been any better. I think I might have used the word brilliant. Brilliant's a good word for it. Because you've got this newcomer who's a stranger showing up, very first block, the very first day, so that now if people want to figure out who he is, they've had this introduction. If they want to see it, if they stay for the show, they'll figure out early on who this new guy is, for want of a better way of putting it. And if I did bring everyone down and take us in a really serious direction, there was a lunch break right after it. There was plenty of time for the energy to come back in the room, because I really didn't know for sure how it was going to play out. So I was worried. I would later... In one of the very few conversations I had with, with Vera, is I didn't want to take up too much time. Uh, I didn't have that track record. I didn't have that history. But I did you know, let him know that I personally appreciated the way he started off this event and the impact he had on Big Fatty's show. Because to me, anything that happened in that first block of shows was going to be golden from the minute Vera walked into the room and said, Hello, loveys. Because at that point... The pressure was off, and, and I think you know Scott and the Seder Sphere was the show between Big Fatty and mine, and I think Scott kind of said he felt the opposite. He felt, like, how am I supposed to follow that? I didn't have that problem. Scott followed it for me. I was good to go, but that sense of surprise was real and palpable, and I was also really happy that I had a show that I kind of personally knew right before me, and the Seder Sphere has been uh, very gracious, along with greetings from nowhere and perhaps others, in talking about Walk the Earth in the lead-up, sensing that I was going to be a little nervous as the unknown quantity, or maybe just being uh, kind of really perceptive and proactive and saying, maybe we should let people know who Walk the Earth is so that they can you know, make a decision to make sure they stick around for it. And here's kind of how Scott and Cindy put it at the very end of their last show before Vegas. In Vegas, you got the show lined up and then Poor Greg's got to clean up the stage after yep, you. Yep. Speak bring, Amway's tell us. Greg, just bring him up. <laughs> bring and him a up. crucifix. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the title of his show, Mop and a Crucifix. <laughs> Cleaning up society. One soul at a time. 
Well, Cindy, I think that's going to be it for this week. I think so, too. I will see you uh, when I get back from Vegas. Yes. Take lots of pictures. I will. You will Most of them incriminating. Uh, Oh, God, yes. If anyone in the Expo Hall was curious as to why I showed up early in Seder's show with a mop in one hand and a rosary crucifix in the other, well, that was it. Uh, he, he He and Cindy had asked for a mop and a crucifix, and I tried to deliver. But I don't know if that joke worked at all for the people who... It probably works better for people who had heard both Satyr's Fear shows in podcast form than live and in the room. So we come to the point where I'm doing Walk the Earth. And again, despite the fact that I felt like Vera took all the pressure off, and I really enjoyed being able to be in the room and see a couple of shows before I was up there, I was still kind of nervous. And I was caught very off guard by the emotional response that I had to Jen's words. It's not like I hadn't read them. I probably read her entire post on Facebook three times before I sent her a message saying, hey, can I share this? And after she gave me permission to share it, I pasted it in and used it as a, as a reblog entry at the website for inappropriateconversations.org and did some editing there, read it again carefully, because for that posting, I wanted to make sure that I made it somewhat anonymous, and I, I took uh, her name down to just the letter J and her partner's name down to just the letter K. So... I was familiar with the material, but in some ways, I don't know, I can only explain it from the perspective of of being taken in the moment and realizing that I was here at this moment and this stage talking about the power of a moment and maybe remembering past inappropriate conversations where I've talked about the power of a moment. And it really kind of hit me. And the one thing I've learned over the years from church, because there have been occasions when I've spoken in church, I've, I've been the... Uh, the lay speaker covering for a the moment of worship that you tend to call the sermon or the message. I've done that before. And, and there have been times when sharing my own personal witness that I've been kind of emotional. And I, I figured out a long time ago that it's more dishonest to hide that emotion than it is to share it. So I was kind of wrestling in between there in terms of that difference between sort of hiding it and sharing it. Based on the response of the people who stuck around, including people that I hadn't really met yet, and feedback that I got later from people that felt like that was something that they needed to hear. And what I've heard shared with me from people who had a better view of the chat room, um, it seemed to hit the mark. And I, I, I'm not going to say I'm terribly, terribly surprised by that, but come on, I'm more than just a little bit surprised by that. It's not like I expected it to go badly, but I didn't really think that I was going to be in a position to be influential at all. Now, I said in the Walk the Earth 29, kind of talking about preparing to go to Pride 48 in Vegas, that I intended to be what I would describe as an ordinary participant. I'd signed up for the breakfasts and for pizza, and we were going to spend time in the hospitality suite. In fact, one of the first things I did was volunteer to say, hey, I can can guarantee I will be here between 7 and 8 o'clock on these two nights, because I know that on 8 o'clock the first night, Christina was going to be there, and I was going to stick around. And the next night, that 8 o'clock hour was going to be the bourbon and cider tasting from Ink Blind and Confused that I was always signed, already signed up for. So I pretty much put myself in a 7 to 9 or even maybe 7 to 10 o'clock session each one of those first nights in the hospitality suite. So I was going to participate. There's going to be some rubbing elbows, I guess would be the way that you'd word that if you're going to put it colloquially. And I wasn't really surprised by situations where I felt like I had something to say and I used the microphone. So I felt like I was an ordinary participant. But I thought I might be a little bit more invisible from a Walk the Earth perspective. 
I've shared on inappropriate conversations before that uh, it's not like I've ever spent a lot of time thinking about what it would mean to be a super a superhero and what superpower I would want if I were a superhero. No, I spend more of my time thinking about what it means to be what I'm like and what superpower I would end up with, whether I wanted it or not. And I always figured the superpower I'd end up with would be invisibility. Now, there's a couple things. Uh, superhero is a tricky term. You could use your powers for good or for bad. You could be a supervillain who's invisible as well, I reckon. But I've been surprised at times in my life that somebody who is a fairly big guy like I am, that I have often been able, able to sneak up on people. You would think that the shadow or the weight of my footsteps alone would give me away, but on more than one occasion, I've walked into a co-worker's office or cubicle and, and surprised them by suddenly appearing before their eyes. And I was expecting that level of visibility and uh, didn't get it. So what I did right after the uh, Walk the Earth podcast was over, and we were in that lunch break mode uh, from like 2.30 to 4.30 that afternoon, was I stuck with the crowd. I wanted to kind of ride that wave as long as I could. So with uh, Scott from Satersphere, with the folks from Greetings from Nowhere, with others, we went upstairs to the kind of food court area in the Luxor. And I had that chicken that everyone has talked about from podcasts that I've listened to in years past. I guess I'd say that was important for me to be able to spend that time together. And to be honest with you, the rest of Friday, uh, a little bit of a blur. I know I was in the audience. I didn't miss a single podcast on Friday. And on Saturday, I only missed maybe 30 minutes or so of Mad Dingo, seeing every minute of every other podcast on Saturday. And the reason I missed that chunk of time from Mad Dingo was because it was necessary for me to uh, go downstairs and help bring up the liquor for the hospitality suite to support that cider and bourbon tasting that was going to be going on. So when I got that group me message, I said, yeah, it's important. You're going to be drinking a lot of this alcohol. You might as well go downstairs and make it, make it, help it get its way up the elevator. Let's put it that way. It's also probably true that I might have missed the last three or four minutes of Hello Waffles as well, because I had the key to the hospitality suite at that point on Saturday night and needed to make sure that I was up there and that it was open. And I gave myself enough time to check on the ice and some other sort of things that were going on there. I missed maybe five minutes of a show on Sunday afternoon as well, but just to use the restroom. So achieved my goal of seeing just about everything, at least enough to have an opinion about just about everything. And, you know, since Ramble Redhead asked me about what I'd seen that I'd never seen before, I'll let his show take on that topic. Now, the big thing for me that came out of that first sort of session was whether Christina from Greetings from Nowhere had planned it out in advance or not. Periscope became a thing. And I think it may have, it could have been natural. It could have been organic, for want of a better word. Because I'm sure the chat room was sort of calling for, hey, can we get pictures? Can we get pictures? As soon as uh, Fatty's show was underway, and it was clear that it was going to be the Fatty and Vera show. And Christina started using the Periscope app and pretty much videoed and provided a video link for the entire event. Uh, there was a few moments where somebody else stepped in and took over, but pretty much she was driving it. But the thing in the back of my mind that whole time is I'm thinking, Periscope, Periscope, Periscope. So here I am at Pride 48, and the word Periscope is becoming a theme. Now, not quite the recurring theme that shame was, but it was becoming a theme. And I was really racking my brain trying to figure out what the Urban Dictionary definition for Periscope ought to be. And I actually, at one point, looked on Urban Dictionary and found them to be woefully insufficient. 
And I don't know if it was late Sunday night or if it was when I was getting home the following day, but I did think of it. And to me, my urban dictionary definition of periscope is perhaps when your head is between your partner's legs and you momentarily look up to see if you can gauge the look on your partner's face and get a reaction, see how things are going from your partner's perspective, and then returning to where you were before, periscoping, looking up from between your partner's legs to gauge their response to a sexual situation. And to me, that's a better definition than anything I saw on UrbanDictionary.com. I'll tell you that for sure. And perhaps that gives people a sense that if they've only heard Walk the Earth, and I'm guessing there's going to be some people, at least from a Pride 48 perspective, who may have only heard Walk the Earth 30, or maybe 30 and 29. Inappropriate Conversations has its moments. It's a podcast that will have the occasional explicit language sticker. And I'm not trying to do comedy, with a couple of exceptions in the past. But I also give myself permission to speak freely. I guess is how I would word that. And in the process of giving myself permission to speak freely... Um, there will be sexual topics and sexual situations because inappropriate conversations has this idea of blending together not just religion, politics, and pop culture, but also sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And speaking of sex and rock and roll, at least, when I get back from a quick break, just to catch a, catch a drink and catch my breath, I want to talk about Inked, Blind, and Confused. Greetings from the cockpit. This is Captain Scott, and we'd like to thank you for flying the Seder Sphere. This is co-pilot Cindy. We ask you at this time to unfasten your safety belt and release your chairs from their uptight position. We're high-flying with stopovers expected in theater, gaming, movies, television, and other mature destinations. We'd like to thank you for flying the frisky skies, and we hope to see you on our next flight to the Seder Sphere. I might have been the only person in the crowd for Ink Blind and Confused Live podcast on Saturday who could accurately say that the show made him think. <laughs> and it sounds weird to say it, right? Obviously, I laughed, I drank, I drank some more, I laughed some more. But the show also made me think, because it was really, uh, we're talking about Periscope, an excellent podcast to be videotaped. So the presence of Periscope in the room, because you know, Melissa, Jay, and Chris put together a very visual sort of a podcast. They, they, did the, they managed the room extremely well, let's put it that way. And I think that was true of a lot of shows. I, I don't want to exalt one over all the others. There were certainly visual elements in uh, Greetings from Nowhere, for example, being in the room and seeing the handmade gifts that were being handed out, very impactful. But for the game that they played in Ink, Blind, and Confused, I initially thought to myself, well, is this a moment where I'm going to step up to the microphone and participate? Because earlier I'd, I'd gotten to the microphone a little bit too late in a couple of other shows to play a game or participate in a game. But, but this time I thought, there's nothing stopping me. I've got proximity. There's not a line over in the side of the room that I'm closer to. I could, I could join in. But something held me back. And maybe the first card in the game, this was a truth or drink kind of a game. And I didn't mind drinking, so I felt, well, the, the stakes here are pretty light, right? If I don't want to tell the truth, <laughs> I'll just have a drink, which is what I kind of wanted to do anyway. But the first one was something really kind of benign, like uh, sing the, la the latest jingle that you've heard or something along those lines. Christian from Pleased to Meet You got that one. And I was thinking to myself, well, I've already broken into song today. 
a couple of episodes back on Greetings from Nowhere when they got my formal minion application. One of the things I said was, yeah, it's not that unusual. I, I break into song from time to time. And in playing a game of Cards Against Humanity, when Scott was hosting in the hospitality suite, that became an element of the game. And I said, I got no problem. If I can just think of a song, I'm willing to sing. So I thought, well, this this is the kind of game I could play. But it, there were moments that were just a little bit more... Uh, adult and participatory, I guess would be the way I would word that. And I found myself thinking, mm, you know, I, I'm a red-blooded American guy. Uh, the opportunity to motorboat one of the incredibly lovely women who were in the audience uh, certainly crossed my mind. Uh, you could make an argument that you were, quote-unquote, just playing the game. But I also knew that it might have more of a meaningful impact to me than it might to any of my gay male friends who were in the room. And, you know, those were the ones who were drawing those cards. And I thought to myself... I now don't know what kind of card I'm going to draw, and maybe I don't want to know any of these new friends quite that well. So I was spending a little bit of time not just enjoying the show and laughing along and having fun, but actually kind of working through the philosophy of this whole thing, because that's not the kind of opportunity I, I say I have the opportunity to say no to very often, meaning I'm not in the habit of saying no to it because I'm not in the habit of getting the question. To me, that's fun, I guess would be the way I would word it. I think for some people, having a philosophical exercise to do while you're drinking and watching a comedy podcast might not be fun. But for me, that actually is fun. I felt like Ink, Blind, and Confused took a whole new level to what I was experiencing up until that point. So hats off to them for putting together a very fun show. And to be honest with you, in the hospitality suite a few hours later, doing the cider and bourbon tastings, they were just as fun. I can remember the first time uh, feeling that sort of post-mountaintop experience of being a little bit sad was actually during the weekend. So people have talked about, you know, you go, it's a mountaintop experience, you have a great time, and, and the, the week or even sometimes just a couple of days after you're back and after it's over and after you sort of know it's over, and after you sort of know that maybe it might be a couple of years before I see some of these folks again, that you have that sort of crash, that crash and burn. Well, my first moment of crash and burn actually happened Saturday night, because I knew that at the end of that phase of the uh, hospitality suite, at the end of the bourbon and cider tasting, when Melissa and Chris and some of their relatives were leaving, that I might not see them again. That Melissa had a plane to catch because she had work things to deal with. She talks about that on their post-show recap. And Chris was doing all she could to get in and out of work to attend as much as she was able to attend. So I was already experiencing that I'm going to miss you guys moment while we were still kind of halfway through or a little past halfway through the expo itself. That's kind of how I managed it. So Ink, Ink Blind and Confused was both a high point and also the first crash right after a high point. And yeah, I, if I talk about being uncomfortable about doing a nostalgia show so close to the events about which I'm nostalgic, it's this kind of thing. I talk about it a little bit in Walk the Earth 29 that I don't really worry too much about telling personal stories about people that I've encountered because I worry about them getting their feelings hurt. It's the quote from Anne Lamott about, uh, paraphrasing, uh, tell your stories. If people wanted you to talk about them more nicely, they should have behaved better. That's not my problem. My problem is usually that if I've got a strong emotional response to a situation, and sometimes stronger than the other person would be aware of, I tend to convey that. I, I'm more inappropriately happy with people than inappropriately unhappy with people, I would say. Just gauging my own emotions, anyway. When you get to Sunday, 
And from Sunday's perspective, my targets were the Betsy Carmichael show. I wanted to see that. I'd heard enough about the backstory and, and kind of the what Cocktails and Cream Puffs had shared about their experience putting on a production that I thought, well, I, this is my window in to the Betsy Carmichael show and the play that they did. So I wanted to see that, and that was very entertaining, and I really enjoyed that a lot. And obviously my target for the evening was Greetings from Nowhere. Yeah, there's no insult to Attack the Darkness. I stuck around and enjoyed that thoroughly as well. But, I mean, if you listen to the original Proud to Know You show, Greetings from Nowhere and Secretly Timid were a lot about what that was about. That was the idea of going to Pride 48. If you said, well, who are the people I really want to meet? Those were the people that I already knew online that I really wanted to meet. In between there, though, it was kind of interesting. On Saturday night, after the bourbon and after the cider and after a little more bourbon and, well, let's be honest, a little more cider, I was hanging around at a table talking with Jay, and it was great to have enough time to talk with Jay, and talking with Lurker Will. First, let me jump over, and I I told myself I wasn't going to read any of the letters that I'd gotten so far, but I think I will share a little piece of what Jay had written, because he'd written just kind of a quick thank you note, and kind of, to me, offering me some reinsurances that we did get to spend enough time together. I know we had some conversations, and I really had a a great time on the first breakfast buffet, the Excalibur breakfast buffet, spending time and talking with Jay. But it also always seems like it's not enough time. Right, So simultaneously, knowing that I was able to to spend the time I wanted to, and also knowing that in some ways that's kind of insufficient, but uh, Jay kind of did send me a note that I needed to hear. It basically said, I, I applaud your courage and only hope that everyone made you feel very welcome. I know it was a true pleasure for me to meet you. And likewise, Jay, it was a great pleasure for me and Cheryl to meet you. And yes, that was the thing. Everyone made me feel incredibly welcome. So Will and I had a conversation uh, in the round table with all the, at the the end of the party, so to speak, at least from the bourbon and cider tasting perspective. So when my wife called me Sunday afternoon, because she had been seeing her friend off to the airport and said, hey, uh, let's do lunch at Buca de Peppa during that two hour break between the podcasts. And we're going to go to lunch with Will. I thought, that's fantastic. Will and I were having a conversation the night before. To be honest, I don't remember exactly how it ended, and I don't know that whether that was fatigue or whether that was, you know, the kind of emotional crash, knowing that I'd seen the end of everyone on the Inkblind and Confused podcast except for uh, Jay. It's a pun, by the way. If you saw their podcast, I saw the end of Jay too. But I didn't, I didn't really want that conversation to end, and so luckily, uh, Cheryl, on her own, completely unaware or maybe somewhat completely unaware had just taken advantage of the opportunity to say, hey, if we're going to go to a place like Buca de Peppa, where all of the quantities are large, and, and lunch for two is probably really lunch for four, and she had a coupon or something, she had like a, a gift card through her Discover points or what have you. So we knew that we uh, we had it covered in terms of paying for it. It was just, you know, did we really want to try to do that as lunch for two? Now, we did it with Will, and that was awesome because it gave me a chance to have a, let's call it a sober conversation with Will as opposed to the one the night before. And I really felt like that was good because I wasn't, I was there primarily, and it's going to sound weird because I did a podcast, and it's a podcast I'm I'm very pleased with based on the feedback I've gotten, but I still feel like I was there primarily as a listener that in some ways on that scale of being sort of both, I was probably more on the side of the thing with the the true listeners. I, I had a lot in common with Will, in other words, in terms of being somebody who was there to see the shows that I'd been listening to all that time. And oh, by the way, I, re- I recorded one along the way. 
Because two years ago, when these plans were first hatched, at no point was my game plan to go to Pride 48 in Las Vegas and do an inappropriate conversations show. Walk the Earth was so much in its infancy back then that it never even would have occurred to me. And plus I knew that, of the two, inappropriate conversations tends to be more of an hour's worth of material if I want it to be. And Walk the Earth, you know, less so. 40 minutes or less, usually. So I didn't really hadn't considered the possibility that there was a 30-minute time slot to begin with and certainly didn't go in to making our reservations and sending that information to Big Fatty, thinking that that was going to lead to an invitation to participate. Now, as we all know, the invitation came and I took it, and I can't be more pleased with that. And I'm not sure how much I want to share about how pleased with that as I was. Saturday was a huge, huge day for me because, first off, I knew going in I had no responsibilities. The interstitial that I'd signed up for was Sunday. The podcast that I was doing was in the rearview mirror. But, and I thought I'd probably taken in most of the feedback I was going to get. But maybe I'll word it this way. If you haven't heard the eighth episode of That's So Babaloo, I think uh, Babaloo puts it really well. And to me, I always wonder when I'm going to something, uh, even if it's something as familiar to me as standing up at church and speaking or whatever, I always wonder, is this just about me? Am I getting something off my chest? Let's put it that way. And for this particular Walk the Earth recording, it didn't feel like it was about me at all. I mean, most of the words belong to Jen and her story, but that could have been the end of it. It could have just been, hey, talking about my friend Jen and her family is the closest I can get to having something directly relevant to Pride 48. But I got to tell you, Babalu came up to me uh, during the, the middle of the day, kind of Saturday, and the words that he shared that he talks a little bit about on his show validated for me in a huge way that I was not just speaking for me and that I didn't just happen to be there. I, I might have been really good that I was there and that if you believe as I believe that things happen for a reason, Babalu put the reason in the whole context of what I was doing, uh, walk the earth wise and everything else. And so that was really wonderful. But you know, the other person who put a little bit of reason in it was Will. Let me set up this clip from Greetings from Nowhere because I think it'll help explain it a little bit better. I'm not going to talk too much about the interstitial that I did. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing it uh, if that's part of the slate of files that gets loaded onto Pride48.com. I'll be very interested to hear myself back again because I was nervous. Once again, I, I was going to go serious a little bit and I wasn't sure that that kind of tone and that kind of witness would be welcome. And the good news is the shows before and after were so wonderful that you know, there was no messing it up. In other words, there's just no way to mess it up. But so I won't talk about the interstitial, but I will talk a little bit about that point near the uh, two thirds mark in the greetings from nowhere live show where Will came up to the microphone invited uh, by TJ took that invitation and kind of came forward and using the term, the only terminology I understand here he offered his testimony. He shared a bit of his story, and he did so because he had already shared it person-to-person -person with TJ, who said, yeah, you ought to share that person-to-person -person with Big Fatty as well, which I'm assuming he did. And it came up in conversation with me and my wife, too. So there was a nice, authentic connection there. And during the course of it, and you'll hear it when I play the clip, Will was he was kind of struggling. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that Daniel was getting up from behind the sort of the soundboard area, to come over. And I knew exactly what he was going to do. He, he was going to, 
if none of the rest of us were going to put our arms around Will and offer him some support, Daniel was going to do it. And before he got there, Will was done, left the microphone, went back to his chair. And I kind of glanced over toward Daniel, don't know if he noticed, glanced over toward Will and headed back to Will because yeah, you kind of feel alone in one of those very public emotional moments. And I didn't want him to feel alone. He shouldn't have felt that way if he was because... There was a connection from us the night before, a connection from us at lunch. I just I felt like I was equipped to do that. Uh, I was, wasn't was a stranger to Lurker Will, let's put it that way. And uh, as soon as I got up to walk away, I think Nicole may have thought that I was getting up to leave the room. To which I say, really? I was going to get up and leave greetings from nowhere? With 25 minutes left in the show at the most, maybe even only 20 minutes left, uh, there was... I can't imagine what that urgent need would be. Uh, I was not going anywhere. I actually just went back to make sure that Will was okay. And uh, in this clip, Nicole addresses that, but also speaks on behalf of both of us about that first meeting. And really, again, if there was one reason for me to go to Pride 48, the moment that Nicole describes pretty much is that reason. If there's another reason that I'm more glad that I'm expressing in words that I came, it was Babalu. He tells that pretty well on his own show. Slurker Will, everyone. Slurker Will. The reason uh, I first got in touch with Fatty uh, was because I came out to my mom. I'm going to try real hard not to cry. Um, just after, just after they had made that decision to um, the Supreme Court. Yeah, the Supreme Court decision, and she didn't take it well. Mm-hmm. And I was really thankful that I had all of you guys, uh, just the support of community, and that's why I decided to come out. Um, and enjoy this time with you guys in Vegas. Aww. We're glad you're here. Welcome, Will. Will. And Nick, you got to meet someone. That would be the, the hardest thing. Um, you got to meet yeah. someone, right? Yes. You know, um, most people, everybody who listens knows I'm a Christian. And don't, I don't think so, Greg. Where's he going? <laughs> oh. See? Okay. okay. Right there. Stay That's right there. Why. That's perfect. That's why. Um, I don't attend church. You know, people see me as this person who's this Christian, and she must go to church all the time. But I stopped going to church about four or five years ago. And I don't so much miss the community of church, but I miss the message. And now I'm going to get teary. Um, So church for me has kind of become online. And people... That's why you need them for the zombie apocalypse. For the zombie apocalypse. Um, And Greg's um, podcast really has met that need for me. As if you listen to Walk the Earth um, on Friday, I think I was, you know, he just shares from his heart and he speaks a truth from a Christian point of view that I had not heard before that I was leaning towards and that's how I was moving and I felt really alone. And hearing Greg um, talk the way he does... um, Focusing on grace and love and acceptance that was the message of Jesus Christ was so helpful to me and just made me feel like I wasn't alone. And so I just wanted to say meeting Greg was really cool because um, it was really bizarre how we met him. I had just come in through those doors over there the first time. And I was talking to Christina. Had I just run into you? Possibly. I don't remember. I can't if I quite was there remember. And then these two random people come walking down this hallway over here, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. 
because I knew it was Greg and Cheryl. And I was like, it was just one of those surreal moments that people have been mentioning where it's, you know, the voice and I'd seen pictures of them. Um, but to get to meet them in person was just wonderful. So I had my little Anthony moment, too. And um, so, Greg, I just want to thank you for being who you are and for speaking out and just sharing that with the world because it's ministered to me. And it's been very nice to meet you. And the lovely Cheryl, too. And yes. the lovely Cheryl. Well, back, back to you in spades and spades. The reason that you saw us that, that way, though, is because of how stupid I am. Okay. Until yesterday, <laughs> our path to this room was to come all the way down, go through the casino, past the Starbucks, toward <laughs> Tower 2, in through, through the, the back, back door. And, and so when you saw us coming down this way, it's because you took the right door, <laughs> and I was still going this bizarre route that I needed MapQuest to find my way through. <laughs> um, and the Lord saw it and said, this is good. <laughs> Small town quacks and coolness, yeah. We're sending you a warm greetings from nowhere. About small town life in the USA Christina and Nicole got gossip to share And they're sending every one of you Greetings from nowhere My reaction was a little bit, yeah, I, I could explain a little bit why I was coming down the wrong hallway and she was coming down the right hallway, and I chose to do that. But I agree with her. It's kind of a God moment for me because instead of somebody sneaking up on me, we we were able to bridge that gap by seeing each other from a distance. And for the first time really that day, that um, Thursday morning, uh, during the setup time, Cheryl was with me. She spent a good chunk of the uh, morning and early afternoon finding her favorite slot machines. And to be honest with you, finding one of her favorites to be a bit of a disappointment and going out and seeking a new favorite. I, I talk about it in the episode called The Wonders that Cheryl had a favorite uh, slot machine called Cash Wizard. But I don't think the Cash Wizard rang her bell quite so much as her most recent trips to Las Vegas. So from that point on, the uh, interstitial before Greetings from Nowhere, the way the Greetings from Nowhere show wrapped up, to me... It's one of those things where the rest of the night was kind of a blur. It wasn't that I wasn't engaged in paying attention. I wasn't out of it in any way. But it was just like, uh, again, again, you'd been to the peak of the mountain. So hanging around and trying to stick with that plateau as long as possible was kind of my goal. And I was maybe even a little less animated than normal. I, I don't know. Maybe my wife will correct me on that and remind me that I was more or less my typical self. But... I was actually just trying to kind of hold on to that moment, partly because it was Sunday night. It was the end of the party, so to speak. And we went to uh, the High Roller with Bob and Christina, Scott, Nicole, me and Cheryl, uh, and went out to dinner afterward. Proved to be both a good dinner and also kind of a long dinner. And I was a little bit worried that the fact that we'd lingered at dinner so long was actually stealing what might have been the last moments of the hospitality suite away from everybody. But we, we took a couple of steps to get out of there as quickly as we could and rode taxis home instead of taking the, the train and walking, reverse engineering our same path to get there. And the good news is we, by the time we got to the hospitality suite, there were still a lot of people there. Not as many as Thursday when I really felt kind of crowded. 
but still a lot of people there. So we hadn't missed everything after all. But to me, the the closing show and all those other sort of things kind of just flew right past me. I saw every moment and was fully engaged in every moment of Attack the Darkness, but could not. I'm going to need to listen to the show when it posts as a podcast. Let's put it that way, um, because I was kind of up in the clouds, and it didn't help. That in the closing show, one of the very first things that happened from a prize giveaway perspective was Taffy winning the rings she had donated and not missing a beat, turning like a second baseman completing a double play and getting those rings into the hands of Taylor uh, just as quickly as you can possibly imagine. She was as quick getting the rings to Taylor as she was during Foul Monkeys, getting to a microphone and daring Babalu to eat a cricket like he said he would. Um, that look of determination I saw at least twice during the weekend. And those were the two moments which ironically have nothing to do with each other, but had that same level of woman on a mission. So I've rambled enough as far as it goes, including the fact that I rambled with the Ramble Redhead the night before as well, kind of downloading some of these memories. And I want to turn serious for a second before I get to the different drummer and I I did a little bit of this with Tom, so this may be the one thing I repeat. For my birthday last week, I went out to eat with some friends of ours from the church that we left. Uh, When we walked the earth, we walked away from the congregation, but we didn't walk away from all the people. Some of the people who left before us or left around the same time we did, we've remained close to. And I really think that they're great people. Nothing I want to say here is intended to be a slam or a criticism of them, although I will offer that if it feels like a slam or a criticism of the church that they attend, that's just a burden I'm going to have to bear. Uh, my wife and I visited the church one time because we promised ourselves, we'll walk the earth perspective, that we would spend time with every congregation, at least one Sunday, that people who were part of our core small group uh, had gone to and joined. But, you know, there was a couple of moments with this church that, that made us uneasy. The biggest one was the entire time that we were there, My wife is a health professional. I told this the very first time I ever called into a simply syndicated podcast, and I'll tell it again here, that I have never in my entire working career, in any position I've had, gotten in my car, driving to work, knowing that there was even the remotest possibility that I was going to make a decision that was going to save somebody's life. I've never been in a position at work to accidentally kill somebody, and I've never been in a position at work to use my mind and my two hands to save someone's life. My wife has an important job that she does very well. And at no point when we were meeting people at this church a year or so ago, did any of them, when asking me what I did for a living and where I went to school and what my career was about, at no point did they even acknowledge that my wife could possibly have a career. And this was a deal breaker for us. One visit enough concerns to bail us to make us bail on them it wasn't just a an accident either it happened two or three times for one thing over the course of one visit on one sunday morning but also when it came time for communion the pastor specifically asked for seven men to come forward as if women are unfit to serve communion so i said yeah there's this church has gender problems we're out of here but it's worse than i knew over the course of dinner they shared with us that Not long after the Supreme Court ruling, probably sometime in the middle of the month of July, their pastor did stop and give a sermon that was directly related to all of this stuff going on about 
gay people and married people and divorced people and people who are living together before they're married and all that. And, and that he spoke to the church for the church and gave them their church's mission. Because we're talking about, I think we're talking about a non-denominational church. So whatever the pastor thinks tends to go in the way non-denominational churches are organized. And they sort of left it at that. I mean, the wife and the couple said she'd missed that Sunday. She was doing something else. But the husband left it at that. And, and I looked at him and I said, guys, don't take this the wrong way. Because you know me. You know my heart. You know my faith. But I'm telling you that Christian to Christian, based on what little you've said so far, I have absolutely no idea what your pastor said that Sunday. That intro doesn't tell me anything. He might have given you guys hard words about how important it is to be welcoming and affirming. But that's not what he did. He basically gave them what I would call hard words about the fact that if a gay married couple came to their church, they'd be allowed to be visitors. They wouldn't be allowed to join. Or the way I'd like to word it, they wouldn't be allowed to join in. So when Jay talks to me about hospitality and whether I felt comfortable and welcomed and at home at a Pride 48 Expo, I will tell you this, and I'll tell you this with more than just a hint of anger in my voice, I was far more welcomed, far more included. I could be much more easily described as someone who was encouraged to join in as a straight Christian male podcaster at a Pride 48 Vegas Expo than any gay person will ever be in the church that my friends walked to instead of the one that we walked to. On the one hand, it makes me feel good about the church we finally found and the situation that we're in, but it also makes me profoundly sad. It leaves in me a conviction that somebody has got to do something. Now, for me, in my own little way, if we equate the words do with say, and say, well, somebody's got to say something, I've been saying something, and I'm going to keep on saying something. But I think our different drummer today could be more accurately described as somebody who's really doing something. I did not initially come into awareness of CanyonWalkerConnections.com. Somewhere along the way, I had seen the videos and read stories about our different drummer this week, Kathy Baldock. But I don't think that I was influenced in any way by Kathy. By the time I encountered her work in this website, I had already found other supporting materials to, uh, to help me make kind of, you know, my final sort of point of view known. Uh, Christians Tired of Being Represented is a really good example. The different drummer on the episode Proud to Know You won a couple years ago was Janet of CTOBM. And also uh, the Craybills, a couple from Dallas area, and their um, Novitas Church and her Word of a Woman blog, also providing very good pastoral sort of information, helping you know people like me who don't speak fluent Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew uh, understand a little bit more about why people who do understand the original languages and have a progressive view of theology, why they have the point of view about scripture that they do. The thing interesting to me about Kathy Baldock is that she didn't come in as somebody who was being a theologian, trying to influence the church to have a much better, more accurate and intelligent interpretation of the terminology and even the punctuation that was being used at the time that the biblical accounts were being written down. No, she came in, kind of like Janet of CTOBM, 
as an ordinary Christian, and in this case, an ordinary fundamentalist Christian, dealing with what most of the people she knew at the time would have described as a crisis of faith. But I would say that, like me, Kathy's situation was not a crisis of faith leading her to fall away from the faith, but a crisis of faith leading to her to, in a very healthy manner, reject the fundamentalism that, frankly, should be rejected. At the website for CanyonWalkerConnections.com, uh, the welcome page has a little bit of a bio. I'll share some of that, but before I get too deep into it, I'm going to jump over and let a blogger speak about her instead of letting the PR speak for itself. But here's what the Canyon Walker Connections site has to say. In 2001, Baldock, well insulated in the conservative Christian church and social spheres with no gay friends, strongly believes one could not be both gay and Christian. After befriending a fellow hiker, a gay, lesbian, agnostic, Native American woman, Neta Montoya, on the trails near her home in the Sierra Nevada, Baldock's deeply entrenched cultural attitudes toward the gay community were challenged. Since none of her new gay friends openly identified as Christian, Baldock was able to maintain the wall between the two words, gay and Christian. Let me pick this story up, though, from a blog I've used before called Evil Equal, EvilEquals.com, written in this case by Rob W. 77. He puts it this way, and I think it, it's really a good way of looking at it. Kathy describes that her own life did not fit her matter-of-fact conservative worldview. Beyond her expectations, she was soon facing unwanted betrayals and divorce. She told me, quote, My faith did not change, but life as it was supposed to be as a result of that faith sure did. Kathy started to walk, both physically and spiritually, as a result of this personal upheaval. It was on one of these walks that a life-altering relationship happened. Boy, this could be my story. When I talk about the hugely impactful experience I had in college, I usually tell that story by going all the way back to a couple of nights before, when, really troubled by the situation that a friend and coworker was going on, I went on a walk, and I've usually described it when I've shared this witness before, is I went on a walk with the Lord. And it seems like that maybe what Kathy was trying to do to help her deal with the fact that in her bubble, her marriage was solid and she had a nice we, they siege mentality going on between heterosexual and gay people and that it all blown up uh, on her. And so she decided to take a walk back to the story. Kathy regularly passed a woman who walked in the opposite direction on the Canyon trail. She was a woman who reflected a whole different life experience than the one Kathy knew. Kathy sensed that the woman was a lesbian, and one day Kathy heard herself call out to the other woman, can I turn around and walk with you? As they walked, Kathy was no longer in a place where she felt she needed to, quote, save a soul, unquote. She was in a place where she was willing to just be. The walk ended, but it became a regular ritual with the two women. Through her new friend Neto, Kathy met more LGBT community members, allowing her to see the human faces over her dogmatic beliefs. It wasn't until she heard Neto's heartfelt admission that Kathy's previous misconceptions hit a crisis point from which they would never recover. Neto admitted that she could not feel safe in the places where Kathy frequented, and with the people Kathy knew. Look, Kathy, she said, you just don't understand. In this society, I am the lowest of the low. I am a Native American. I am a woman of color. I have a Hispanic last name. I am lesbian. Not even God loves me. Whew. 
The words, not even God loves me, shot through Kathy like a lightning bolt. She said, my heart ached. I stopped on the trail, stupefied, and cried. She had broken through the powerful truth that happens when regressive Christian dogma meets an actual living, breathing LGBT person. The dogma falls apart. So, when I talk about what did Kathy do, because Kathy's story is probably not unlike others, what Kathy has done with it is set up, among other things, this Canyon Walker website where she actually has a series of videos that she's recorded, actually in the canyon where she walks, answering questions, challenging the prevailing wisdom. But you know what? The other thing that she does is she goes out and she speaks. Beginning of this blog post, Rob W. shares that his first interaction with Kathy was watching her as she had appeared face-to-face debating a uh, Restored Hope Network-type group, one of these regressive groups that at the time I think was advocating for restoring the gay conversion therapy that was about to get uh, voted out by California's new law, protecting minors from this notion of reparative therapy. And Rob was saying that from a blogger's perspective, he has, quote-unquote, spoken out against groups like this before. But he was watching Kathy on television, face-to-face and toe-to-toe, having conversations that sounded to him a lot like his own conversations had been. But you know what? When he heard about her backstory, realizing she had come from a very different place, she wasn't speaking as a gay person. She was speaking on behalf of gay people. And actually, in many ways, probably doing what I hope I'm doing, speaking to the church, whether directly or so that they will overhear, to say, you're doing this wrong. How dare you have a sermon on a Sunday morning where you boast from the pulpit about the people who are not welcome to be in fellowship with you? How dare you? How far away from Christ is that message to anyone who even has an insufficient understanding of the Gospels and what Jesus has to say in the red letters so often contained in the text of those delicate gold-tinted pages? Short, different drummer section, I know, but I wanted to spend more time sharing about my experiences at the Pride 48 Expo this year and leaving enough space to provide a few clips while not letting this Proud to Know You episode go on to quite the length of the original Proud to Know You episode. It's enough to say for now that there are a ton of people I'm going to miss more than I can say, more than I have said here, and maybe more than I ever could if I tried. That's enough for now. If you'd like to put some dialogue into this conversation yourself, I can be reached at IC underscore Greg at Hotmail.com. As always, every podcast I've ever recorded can be found at the website, inappropriateconversations.org. And the most recent shows, in addition to being available on iTunes and other podcatchers, are available on Stitcher.com. I can be reached at Twitter at IC underscore Greg. I have clips of previous shows on SoundCloud, also SoundCloud uh, slash IC underscore Greg. And on Facebook, there's a separate page for both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth. Thanks for listening.